Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and this is Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, where I learn how to be an overcomer. I want to remind you that those that trust the Lord, He always causes us to triumph. No matter what you're dealing with, no matter how long it's been that way, you don't have to resign yourself to uh, giving up, to being defeated, to being robbed. Uh, nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is impossible to Him. And He said, nothing's impossible to those who have faith. All things are possible to those that believe. That means it's possible to be healed of what it was said you couldn't be healed from. That means it's possible to get caught up financially when it looks like there's just absolutely no way. That means it's possible to uh, be reconciled and work some things out with uh, uh, loved ones or family. It's possible. Things are possible, maybe not with uh, just human ability, but with God, it is possible. And you you make a big step toward experiencing these things when you just say, I believe it's possible. I believe God can do it. I believe I can receive it. So say it out loud, Father God, I do believe in you. I do believe that nothing is too hard for you. And I believe that I can believe. I can trust you. I can have faith. And you are helping me to do so. Lord, we ask you for utterance and anointing for the class today and for everyone. You, you know every situation and you already know the way out and the answer. And so we're asking you to reveal it to us or remind us of it and show us our faith steps to take, our faith words to say, uh, to give you uh, what you want and need to work with in our life. We ask for it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Look, please, in our great textbook, the Bible, in Luke, the uh, eighth chapter, we're continuing in our study of the healing of the woman with the issue of blood. We're spending some extra time on this one, if you can tell, and uh, there are reasons why. Uh, these are all connected, uh, even though the details are different and some different emphasis. Uh, learning how faith worked in one area is going to help you in your whole life. It's going to help you in every other area because faith works the same. God's power works the same in every area of life. Looking at this again in Luke 8, 43, we're told that a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any.
came behind him, Jesus, and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood stanched or stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throngs you and presses you. And you say, who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody has touched me. Hallelujah. (laughs) Don't you like that? Somebody has touched me. How do you know, Lord? For I perceive that virtue, that's King James, power is gone out of me. Power is gone out of me. He wound up telling her later, your faith is what made you whole. Uh, You can say it like this. Your faith gave action to the power. Your faith caused the power to flow. Now, we, we were into this yesterday, and I want to continue a little bit. Go with me over to Philippians 2 again, please. We said, uh, when Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? We asked the question, did he need to ask that question? And a lot of people would say, no, no, he knew who touched him. He was just saying that for some other reason. But, but really, is that true? Why did he say, who touched me? And there's significant reason to ask and answer this question because did Jesus initiate this healing? Uh, he didn't say, I healed you. He didn't even say, my power healed you. He didn't even say, it was God's will to heal you. What did he say? Daughter, your faith, I'm paraphrasing, your faith has done this. Your faith has made you whole. Now, even though he said that, and he said that again and again and again, throughout these 20 individual cases of healing and deliverance, over and over and over and over, and I still hadn't said all the overs, he said, your faith has saved you. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you whole. As you have believed, so be it done to you. This is where Jesus squarely, solidly placed the emphasis. And yet, most of the church ignores this. Just ignores it like he didn't even say it. And they emphasize, was it the will of God? They emphasize the power of God that that made it happen. That's what the church is emphasizing more than anything else. Well, we know God can do it if it's his will. And how are we going to know if it was his will or not? Well, we'll pray, Lord, heal us if it be thy will. But if not, thy will be done. People say, well, that's scripture. No, no, Jesus wasn't praying for the sick when he prayed that. He wasn't praying for the sick or bound in the garden when he prayed that. There is a time for the prayer of consecration to say, not my will, but yours be done, but not when it comes to being born again. Y'all with me or not, class? Why? Because he has plainly revealed it is never not his will. It's always his will for people to be born again. 
He is not willing, the scripture said, that any should perish. Is that true or not? So then it's ignorance of the word of God. It's ignorance of God's will and character to say, Lord, save me if it be your will. Well, in the same work of redemption, when he became sin with our sin, uh, 1 Peter 2 tells us, his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. At exactly the same time, during this scourging, during the being nailed to the cross, during him being judged in our place, he went to the cross, he went to the scourging post, he went to the heart of the earth, he was judged spirit, soul, and body. He obtained a complete redemption for us. Do you believe it, saints? A complete redemption for us. Did he redeem us spiritually? Did he redeem us mentally and emotionally? Did he redeem us physically? Did he redeem us financially and material? The Bible said he became poor so that we through his poverty might be made rich. Now, many people don't believe that. They just don't. And it's because of the subtlety and craftiness of the enemy. You remember Jesus said, uh, on one occasion, he said to the most religious people of his day, he said, you have made the word of God of none effect by your traditions. Does that continue today? That people hold to traditions instead of the Word of God, as a replacement for the Word of God. I'm just elaborating on why I say, did Jesus need to ask that question? Did he need to say, who touched me? And where the answer is yes, he did. Why? Because he didn't know. Now, people have trouble with that. I know they're like, mm, Brother Keith, uh, no, Jesus knew everything. No, not according to the Bible. How many remember, if you read in the book of Luke in the first couple of chapters and other places, it says, well, in fact, let me just make sure I read it to you because I know uh, this may be uh, new uh, thinking to some folks. The scripture says in Luke 2.52, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. As a young child and as a young boy, remember at age 12, he was there questioning with the scribes and Pharisees. Everybody say, Jesus increased. Jesus increased. He, grew he grew in wisdom. In wisdom. If you're omniscient, you can't do that. Huh? If you're operating in knowing everything, you cannot grow and learn in wisdom and knowledge if you already know. No, Jesus was born like us, not knowing everything. And so he's learning. And so he's growing. Is that true or not? Yes. Even at one point, Jesus said in Mark 13, 32, he said this. He said, of that day and that hour knows no man, know not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Did Jesus say he didn't, there was something he didn't know? Did he? We are not operating as God and in omniscience if there's something you don't know. 
No, we, we see, and, and there were times, you know, that Jesus marveled at things. You remember? Uh, for one thing, it said he marveled at their unbelief. Well, if you already know the end from the beginning, why would you be surprised? Why would you marvel at anything? No, we see the truth. And in fact, you're looking there, right there in uh, Philippians 2. In verse 5, it's talking about, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He was in the form of God, but he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. One translation said he, he didn't think it was something to be eagerly grasped. But the Living Bible said uh, he didn't cling to his rights as God. He laid aside his mighty power and glory. The, the contemporary English says he became like one of us. The complete Jewish Bible said by becoming like humans are. The Weymouth says he stripped himself of his glory and took on him the nature of a bondservant by becoming a man like other men and being recognized as truly human, he humbled himself and even stooped to die, yes, to die on a cross. We, we haven't, and I don't know that we can fully in this life appreciate how far Jesus stooped down to redeem us. What we don't know, what's it like being God and then becoming completely a human being, being born in a trough, in a manger, and growing up having to learn how to talk, how to walk. We, we don't know what that's like, but what it shows is how much he cares for us. What links he was willing to go to to redeem us. Is this wonderful love or is this wonderful love? What he has done and his, uh, his willingness to take our place completely, both to understand our situation and to redeem us by becoming truly human. Look with me in the book of Hebrews, if you would. Hebrews and the fourth chapter. Somebody say, thank you, Master, for loving me, becoming like me. To redeem me. In Hebrews, the, the fourth chapter, it says that we, uh, talking about our great high priest, we don't have, verse 14, we don't have a high priest who can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, verse 15 says. Verse 14 says, we, we have a great high priest. I'll go ahead and confess that. I have, I have a great, a great high, priest. high priest. Who is he? he? He's passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. And since we have this great high priest, let us hold fast to our confession. He is 
the high priest of our confession. He works with our confession. Is your confession key to you being born again? That you believe something in your heart and you say something with your mouth. It is uh, just like that woman touched Jesus' garment and that was the exact point where she released her faith, where she's expecting that anointing to change her body. When we uh, confessed Jesus as our Lord, that's when we released faith and were born again. And that's not the last time we should confess something. It's not the last time we should release our faith. But Jesus, verse 15, we have not, in other words, we don't have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities or our weaknesses. If Jesus functioned as God in the earth, he does not know what it's like to feel powerless. He does not know what it's like to feel ignorant. He doesn't know that if he always knew everything. Can you see that, class? And it goes on to say, we, we don't have a high priest which can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but he was in all points. Everybody say, in all points. In all points. Tempted like as we are, yet without sin. If he wasn't made in all points like us, he couldn't be tempted in all points like us. Plain and simple. He, why did he ask the question, who touched me? Because he wanted to know. <laughs> Are y'all with me, class? Because he wanted to know. Did Jesus just go about healing everybody that he came in contact with, demonstrating that he's God? No. No. Absolutely not. In his own hometown, Mark 6, 5 and 6, says he could there do no mighty work. He couldn't do mighty works in his own hometown. Now, if you're operating as God, that wouldn't be true. And in your own hometown, you want to make a good showing, right? You don't want to look bad where you grew up. In your own hometown, I mean, almost everybody has this idea of, you know, homeboy makes good, right? You want to come back, homegirl, you know, it's a success. You want to come back and show that you did good and prove that something's successful in your life. Jesus didn't have big miracles happen in his own hometown, not because he chose not to, it's because he said he couldn't. How many remember Jesus said repeatedly, I can of my own self do nothing. I only, I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see him do. I can of my own self do nothing. If you're functioning as God, that's not true. But if you're functioning like us, like a human being, then you know what it's like to not be able to Waltz into your hometown and fix everything. You know what that feels like. You know what it's like to not know everything. And the reason I take time to talk about this is because it also reveals 
why Jesus said to the woman, uh, I'm going to paraphrase, girl, (laughs) your faith is what has caused this to happen. Instead of, like religion does, saying, well, no, it was Jesus. And it was because she touched Jesus. There were a lot of people touching Jesus that day with nothing happening. Mm -mm. It's not because he was Jesus, because he was Jesus before, during, and after. No, Jesus said it right. The Spirit of God said it right through him. What made the difference? Not that it was Jesus, not that the power was there. The difference was that she touched him in faith. That activated a flow. Can you say amen? Look with me in Luke. I know these things uh, I I can almost hear. While I'm talking about this, I heard this, moo. (laughs) What was it? I'm poking holy cows. (laughs) Well, some of these holy cows, they don't need to be poked. They need to be killed. They need to be knocked out and done away with. Why? Because they are replacements for the truth. They are traditions that have been held and heralded, but they, people don't realize it is a concoction of men. It's an idea of men and women that has contradicted what Jesus said and replaced what he said. If Jesus emphasized the woman's faith, what should we do? Don't ignore that and emphasize that it was Jesus and emphasize that the anointing was there. Emphasize what he emphasized. What? The faith. The faith is the determining factor, not the anointing. The anointing was there. You'll see that again here in Luke 5. Thank God for the anointing. We know the anointing accomplished the work. But if it was just the anointing, if that was the only factor... Everybody that's brushing up against him would have been healed. Everybody that accidentally touched, everybody that bumped into him, you know, in in curiosity. No, no, it wasn't happening. We see that in Luke, the, uh, the fifth chapter. We see in verse 17 that it came to pass on a certain day, and we've already talked about this healing, as Jesus was teaching, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Them who? Them Pharisees. Them doctors of the law. Them that had come out of every town. The power of the Lord, even the ones that had come to criticize him and find fault with him and judge him, even still, uh, whether they came uh, with open minds or whether they came with preconceived critical ideas, either way, the power of the Lord was there to heal them. And yet, at that moment, no healing is happening. No healing is happening, even though the power is there until these guys brought their friend from outside and clambered up on top of the house and ripped off some shingles and let this man down. And then it says, he saw their faith. Oh, somebody say, praise God. 
Praise God. He saw their faith and he told the man to take up his couch and he went, hallelujah, and was healed at that moment. He tapped into that power that was there before he got there. His faith and his friend's faith and the action of their faith activated a flow of power. Now we've touched on this earlier that electricity is God's power in the natural and you learn so many things by meditating on it. Go with me to Romans, the first chapter, and you'll see why we say this. One reason I take the time and, and turn and look at the verses, I want you uh, to be clear that this is not just Brother Keith's idea. Hmm? This is based on something that's older than all of us <laughs> and something that's sure and cannot change. In Romans 1 and 20, it says the invisible things of him, of God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Can you understand invisible things? Yes, you can. They're clearly seen. Being understood by what? By the things that are made. Even you can understand God's eternal power. By what? By looking at things that are seen. Why? Because unseen forces created the seen things. They operate by the same principles as the unseen things that created them. Instead of saying, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a mystery, you'll never understand the power of God. Yeah, he wants you to understand the power of God, and he tells you, you understand it by looking at the things that are seen. You even can understand the, the eternal power of God, even understand the Godhead by looking at the things that are seen. Electricity was in the world from the beginning. But nobody understood it. Century after century passed and everybody is smoking up their house with kerosene or candles. Light bulbs didn't exist. Uh, electric hair dryers didn't exist. <laughs> right? Uh, can openers didn't exist. Mixers didn't exist. Microwaves didn't exist. Electricity was witnessed once in a while, a bolt of electricity would crash out of the sky and fry a tree, and everybody would go, whoa, there's some power. But nobody understood that it could be directed. It could be captured. It could be directed and flow on purpose. And here we are today, the switch is on, the lights are on, the cameras are on, the internet is on, your computer is on, your phone is on, all because we learned that electricity could be directed. It can flow and accomplish work. That's exactly what happened when that woman pressed through and touched his garment. She flipped a switch. Oh, come on, can you see it? Jesus wasn't even trying to minister to her, but the power was there already. She just flipped a switch. It flowed into her. It fixed her body. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, that's great, girl. Your faith did it. Your faith, if her faith would make her whole, your faith would make you whole. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. My faith, My faith will make me whole. Make me whole.
That's it for our time today. Come back tomorrow. We've got more to talk about. We'll see you soon in Faith School. I've got a victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390. 